What up, what up? I hope your summer is going well. Everything is going good in the hood. Today on our episode today, we got Coach Brady. He's an assistant strength coach at Thomasville University. Coach Brady's an awesome guy. I had a few times to talk to him before. He's one of those strength coaches that changed his profession to our profession, strength and conditioning. Man, I just love hearing stories like that and just seeing that we have so many coaches in our profession that have, you know, different backgrounds and such. I really enjoyed this episode. I hope you do too. Thank you for tuning in. All right. So my name is Brady. Um, originally from Orlando, Florida. Moved to Huntsville, Alabama when I was 10 years old. Um, you know, growing up, I played a lot of sports. Most of it was recreational. Um, anything from basketball, tennis, soccer. Um, I was really an athletic kid. I never really had the skill or the, I guess, the determination to play at the high school or college level. Um, But I was really involved with marching band. Um, I started playing the drums in sixth grade, played that throughout all of middle school and high school. And then I actually ended up playing in the marching band at Auburn University, um, where I did my undergrad. So I did that all four years while I was there as well. Um, So marching band has been a really key component of my life. Um, I, I met my now fiance in the marching band is there as well. Um, so I was really just a big hobby. I know I didn't really want to do it as a career or anything. Um, but going into Auburn, um, I was actually a pre-med student at first. Um, I was pre-med for my first three semesters, ended up switching out, um, and switching to the degree I graduated with, which was fitness conditioning and performance. Um, I was able to get on with Coach Damon Davis with the men's basketball program. I interned with him for my last two years of undergrad, so about July 2017 to when I graduated in May of 2019. After I graduated from there, uh, I took an assistant spot at UNC Pembroke. Um, I was in charge of cross-country, track, swim, golf, and cheer. Um, this was all by myself, too, so going from an intern role with one team to being the head guy of five teams was a big shock for me. Um, but the, after the first couple of weeks, working out some kinks here and there, um, you know, I was really to really able to, you know, work into that role. Um, so I was there from August, 2019 until July, 2020. Um, obviously COVID hit during that time. So I really only worked until, you know, about March 1st. Um, thankfully I was able to continue getting paid during that time um, from March until July. Um, but I know going into that summer, I really wanted to get my master's degree. And so I ended up, you know, looking for any graduate assistant positions online. And I ended up, um, accepting the job at Thomas university in Thomasville, Georgia, um, as an, as an assistant strength and conditioning coach. Um, it's technically called an assistant, but it works as a grad assistant. So basically they pay for my schooling while I work for them and receive a small stipend from them as well. So um, here at Thomas, I work with the cross country and track teams, the swim team, our women's basketball team, and we actually have a JV men's basketball team. So those are the teams I work with here. Um, At Thomas, we don't have a kinesiology program. So right now I'm working through my MBA. I just finished my first year. Um, I was hesitant at first to take the GA spot just because I know I wanted to get my degree in exercise science, but, you know, after doing some research and actually diving into the program, um, it's really taught me a lot more about, you know, being 
a strength conditioning coach outside of, you know, the X's and O's um, just things from like, you know, leadership skills and managing time and money and resources and things like that, which are huge for, you know, obviously being a strength coach. So, um, you know, it's been good so far. Just finished my first year of my MBA program and my assistant job at Thomas um, going into my second year. I'll have my MBA in May of 22 and that's where I'm at right now. All right. Before we really start diving into things, how, like, I know a lot of people are probably asking this. How did you go from playing rec sports as a kid? Then you went to the marching band. Like what, what like sparked your interest in uh, training overall? Like, and then on top of that, like you started as a pre-med student, like, so just like, like break that down for me because I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. Like, dude, like you did three years, three semesters. Sorry. You did three three semesters as a pre-med student. Like, and then you wanted to come to the dark side. I'm glad you're in the dark side. Like, (laughs) just, uh, like, just talk about that, man. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just, I going into middle school in sixth grade, we were required to do band or choir and, you know, I decided to do band and, decided to play drums I fell in love with it um and then my so I was playing drums you know I still like playing drums um and then you know my junior year of high school me and my friends got a membership at the local YMCA um that's really where I started working out and you know really enjoying it so um you know I went into college I knew I loved working out I knew I loved you know band and things like that and I love sports. I love playing sports. So, um, but I know those were just all just hobbies at the time. Um, but yeah, going, starting as my pre-med major at Auburn, you know, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I thought I wanted to, you know, work with people like in that, you know, in that sector. Um, it was really tough though. Obviously it was really tough. I was taking that last semester I was in that program. I was taking organic chemistry and I was taking physics and those are just classes I'd never taken before. And, and I was not I was not getting the grades I needed to get to med school. And I, I knew that. So um, I just didn't really have the the dedication that those guys have to study for hours and hours on end on the, those type of things. It really just didn't it didn't interest me to that level. Um, but I knew I loved, you know, I knew I loved working out. And, um, you know, I thought that was just a hobby. Um, well, I, when I decided to switch majors, I was looking around to see what Auburn offered and. Um, they, I found that they offered the degree I graduated with, which was fitness, conditioning, and performance. Um, and I started, you know, really researching jobs onto, you know, what I could get with that degree. And strength and conditioning came up. And I really didn't even know what it was because, you know, again, I didn't play sports in high school or college. Uh, I never had a strength coach of my own. I know most strength coaches are former athletes of some sort. Um, so I didn't really know what it was. Um, so after doing some research on that, um, you know, just doing, I mean, I, I watched a lot of YouTube videos of guys like Scott Cochran and, you know, those guys like hyping up the weight room and things like that. And just really interests me, um, you know, kind of combined my love for sports and weightlifting. So I, you know, kind of decided like, that's what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to try to pursue that. Um, but long story short, um, I ended up attending a, a play summit near Atlanta um, in the summer of 2017. And I met the former women's basketball strength coach for Auburn, uh, coach Klaus Sosa. 
and he's now the assistant strength coach for the Denver Nuggets. Um, but I met him at the the summit and ended up talking with him, and he allowed me to observe uh, for the rest of that summer, which was like a month or so. Um, but because my band schedule, which I wanted to continue doing um, just as a hobby, um, it didn't the my band schedule did not work out with their lifting schedule because they lifted as one team in the afternoon. So I ended up uh, talking with the men's strength coach, which was Damon Davis, and ended up working it out with him. Uh, their schedule was a little bit more flexible. They'd come in in the mornings, a little bit in the afternoons. So I was able to continue on with him. And that's what I did for the remainder of two years I was there. Um, you know, going into working with athletic performance, I never really had any kind of experience like that. You know, the lifting I was doing on my own was pretty much, you know, bodybuilding and the Arnold Schwarzenegger workouts that everybody does, and all the bodybuilding stuff that people do. Yep. Um, so I had no experience with this athletic performance stuff and going in and, you know, interning under Coach Damon Davis and um, just learning, you know, all kinds of things like, you know, just different exercise progressions and, nutrition and long-term athletic development, like things I never really like really paid attention to before really interests me. Um, and, you know, just spending those whole two years there, really getting to learn under him, um, really got to, you know, learn a lot of those things. And, um, you know, that, that really goes more into the X's and O's, but like what also really interested me was stuff that, you know, you can't really read in the book, like the, you know, the relationship building and the, you know, the networking and all these different kind of things that go into strength conditioning, like doing research and things like this. I mean, that stuff, like I, I really fall in love with doing that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I never really had that kind of passion for anything involved with pre-med. You know, I think I really wanted to do it more for like myself and like the pride of, you know, one day being like a doctor. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, that, that was a long story, but that's basically, you know, how I got into it. Um, you know, I was very fortunate enough to meet the right people at the right time. So, um, that was my, that was my introduction to the field. So, oh man, that's awesome, man. Like hearing those stories just make it like easy for me to say like, all right, like I wasn't the only one, you know, in college, I definitely didn't know what in the world I wanted to do. I started out as a athletic trainer, so somewhat similar lines, but You yeah, because once it's, you, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you got it. It's it's just interesting because, um, you know, I, I really like hearing people's stories a lot because I didn't mention this in the beginning, but I'm I'm interning at FSU this summer um, with her Olympic staff um, because I have the summer off at Thomas University, and I love just you know talking with the coaches and seeing where they came from and, um, you know, just seeing people that we might know together like i know somebody that they know so it's really kind of funny to hear these stories oh yeah like i've seen i've seen people that had like completely different majors just coming to the dark side and it's just like what brought you here and majority of the time it's you know what they see online and social media and stuff but then Mm -hmm. once you get into like the real you know meat of it it's like man like building relationship with these young athletes man like it's it does something to your soul and i it's hard for me to explain because I keep telling people like the stuff that we do that's not related to actual like strength conditioning, like 
it's hard to put into words because you just have to be in the moment and understand, like, I'm not doing this just for any accolades or to put me on a pedestal or, or to be noticed by everybody. It's like, I just want to be with these guys and help them be better human beings overall, guys and girls. When I say guys. Yeah. And but, I think, I think people outside of the field don't really truly grasp what we do in terms of those things, like the relationship building and things like that. And just like how, how passionate we are as coaches for our athletes. It's just funny. Right. Cause like, the other day, like I told my parents, like when I started working with strength conditioning, like I used to shower in the mornings, but now I shower at nights because I have to shower after I get home from work because I'm all sweaty and gross. But yep. they're like, my dad was like, why are you showering at night? Like, why are you, why don't you just shower in the morning to wake you up? I was like, dad, I have to take a shower when I get home. Like I'm so sweaty. I'm so like into what we're doing. I have to, I have to clean myself after I get home because I'm so sweaty. So. And, and it's stuff like that. Like, people just don't know, man. And I love yeah. saying, like, you don't know what you don't know because that applies to me, but everybody. Like, you only see a small portion of it. And I don't think as a profession just yet, just because I think that we're still in that, like, we're learning. So we're not trying to, you know, put out a ton of information. But mm-hmm. some of the information that's put out from personal trainings and stuff, they think that we do the same. And I'm just like, nah. Like it's, it's yeah. the only reason why it's the same is because it's exercise. Um, yeah. I know there is some, you know, awesome personal trainers out there and stuff, but as a whole, at the end of the day, like if you don't, you know, make that client happy or whatever, you're not getting paid. And there's a good chance that you're just doing X, Y, and Z just to satisfy your client versus us. Like, yeah, we got to win games. Yeah, we got to make sure their numbers go up. But at the end of the day, like we're still molding these young people, these young human beings to be a potential leader of a company, of a another team, a family. Like we're like we're not we don't have a finished product. And I feel like a lot of personal training and strength conditioning always gets mixed up because they see the exercise. No, well, you know, I saw so and so do this online. I'm like, well, so and so don't know what he's doing because he's not training my athlete. So if he were to do that here, I'm pretty sure you won't see the results that you need to actually perform out in the field. X, Y, and Z. Like it's, it's, it's those things right there that I, I truly believe that, you know, if all they base everything off of for strength and conditioning, is just what they see on social media. We'll always have that. Well, you know, I need a rah, rah guy. Um, yada, yada, yada. And I'm just like, well, it's, I'm not that person. I don't know if you are Brady, but I'm not, I'm no. not going to, you know, nah, no, I did that one time for one week and I lost my voice and I said, yeah, I can't do that again. This <laughs> is just, I'm just not that person. I'm sorry. Yeah. I can trash talk to you and stuff, but I just, I can't, I can't yell until I can't speak anymore. That's just not, that's not in me. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'm apologizing, you know, sarcastically because I'm not sorry. I like to have my <laughs> voice, <laughs> but, um, so once you once you did um, change and come to the dark side, <laughs> you went. I, I call it the dark side because a lot of people are like, "Ugh, pre med to, to strength and conditioning." Like, Ugh, like why would you do that? But because it's actually fun to be honest yeah. with you. Um, when you're you're talking about UNCP, like tell me tell me about the the, the change from you were with one team, but now you're the head of five teams. Just it, it happened to me too because I was at one school, only trained one sport, 
ended up going to another school, training five sports. So, like, tell me what was going through your mind when you had to start programming, had to start getting to know more than one team's uh, athletes' names and stuff. Like, just go through all that for me, man. Yeah, so when I was at Auburn, um, like I said, I only worked with men's basketball, um, which was, you know, maybe 20 athletes. Um, we had a head coach, we had a GA, and we had me and probably two or three other interns all working with 20 athletes. So um, not a lot of, you know, hands-on, like nitty-gritty coaching like I'm doing now. Um, so when I did get the job at Pembroke, um, you know, when I graduated Auburn, a lot of coaches turned me down because they knew I only had the experience with one sport and they didn't know how I would, you know, fit into having control over several teams. Um, so it was tough finding a job after I graduated, but thankfully I got a shot at Pembroke. And, you know, like I said earlier, I was in charge of fully in charge of five different teams. Um, I was completely overwhelmed uh, when I got to Pembroke because, um, you know, I never even war- ran a warm up at Auburn. And now I'm coming in having full control of five teams. Um, so it was definitely a shock. Um, you know, that first warm up, that, you know, the first couple, two, three weeks or whatever, um, had to work through some kinks, you know, how to get through, um, you know, some different things as far as what I liked and what I didn't like, um, in my own personal warm up. You know, I didn't want to just use the same warm up that my, you know, coach D was using. Um, so just coming up with my own stuff and, um, you know, the guy you know, Shane Sweeting, who was at Pembroke with me, um, you know, he was a huge help as far as the transition goes and just really encouraging me and motivating me and really getting me out of my comfort zone. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as programming, um, without getting into much of the X's and O's, um, I, we were actually, we switched over to Team Builder my first year I was there. Um, so I never really had to dived too deep in Excel. Um, I got to learn team builder, which was really nice. Um, so, you know, and we got, you know, 20 something iPads and we got all new equipment in the weight room and all new flooring. And, um, it was really, really nice to be able to walk into all that. Um, especially because, um, you know, going from Auburn to Pembroke, we didn't have the same level of technology and equipment and things like that. So, at least we were on somewhat of a similar level with all the new stuff we had. Um, but yeah, I mean, just finding different ways to, um, you know, motivate these athletes as far as different programming strategies. Cause you know, I only worked with men, men's basketball, which is completely different from cross country. Um, so just really um, talking with other coaches that I knew and, you know, doing my research and, um, you know, seeing what they responded well to and what they didn't respond well to. Um, it's really how I got through that. Um, but even, even at the D2 level, those guys and girls, I mean, they they were coming in to work hard. I mean, they, and they were bought in pretty quick too. Um, they knew I was young and they knew some of the coaches, some of the coaches of the teams knew I was young too. And they were, you know, they were hesitant at first to put all their trust in me. But as, you know, as time went on and um, I was able to show them you know, my coaching ability and, you know, the exercise selection and things like that. Um, they were more bought in as well there too. So um, it was definitely a, a 
huge shock, a huge transition going from my intern to my assistant spot at Pembroke. But um, it definitely, you know, definitely made me a better coach for sure. Man. All right. So during this transition, some people would quit during this. Like what, what was the reason why you weren't like, man, this is too much. Like you came from Auburn, you had the assistance, you had the equipment, you had all the bells and whistles you really want to, to help your athletes and stuff. So like what, what made you stay persevere through all, all those things starting out initially? Um, I knew I was graduating, so I knew I wanted to get a job out after my time at Auburn. Um, but, you know, I just, I just know that it's kind of part of the field. And if it's really something I want to do that I need to, um, you know, persevere and continue to, you know, apply to all the jobs that I think I'm available for. And, um, obviously it was tough at first finding a job. Um, but yeah, I mean, during that transition, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it was tough. It was tough. I'm, I'm kind of yeah. lost oh, my yeah. words right now, but, uh, <laughs> Oh no, 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 no. Like, I mean, I was pretty much in the same position, bro. Just applying for jobs, getting denied. And like, it's crazy when I was applying for jobs back in, 2017 2018 after my time at nc state i'm still getting like denied emails from those places i applied to like oh yeah by the way like you didn't get the job at this place i'm like yeah well duh like it's five years later like (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah now like i definitely understand like you being lost for words man like because for one you know a lot of places they don't hit you back and two like you're just trying to like find somewhere to just give you the opportunity so you can prove yourself. And that's, that's hard to do in this profession just because, I mean, when you don't know as many people starting out, it's, it's tough, bro. Yeah. It's real tough. It was, it was a really hard time. I mean, I was continuously looking for jobs and reaching out to people and, you know, getting denied or, you know, not receiving a response. I mean, it was, it was really hard. Like I, you know, I thought I was going to have to, you know, not, continue on with the profession um yeah and it was like it was scary because i mean it's something i really wanted to do um right i I don't know what else i would do right now other than like go work at the local gym down the road and personal train but that's i mean i don't even i don't want to do that right i don't like i don't know what else i would want to (laughs) do so because you're having a good time here and you see you see what you're doing man you're impacting a lot of lives and it's just like that's something I want to do because for one, that's something I value. And two, like, you know, I've been prepping for this for a long time and it kind of sucks that, you know, people for, for one, before I even like finish this statement, like, let me ask you this. How many people actually contacted you back telling you like, Hey, got your information, got your application. We're looking for someone who has more years in the, the profession and stuff like that. How many applications did you send out and how many of those you got back man i don't know an exact number but i could probably count on my hands <laughs> um right. you know i was emailing I, I wasn't even just applying for jobs that were available i mean i was emailing 
anybody and everybody at any school asking if they had an open GA position that maybe they just haven't posted or uh, whatever it may be. But I was, yeah, I mean, I, a lot of the times, you know, I, I kind of regret this now, but a lot of times I was sending out um, just like mass emails, like kind of sending the same message to everybody, which is something I will never do again. But because um, I think it, it should be more personalized, especially if you're looking for a job. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, I was sending, I was sending hundreds of emails out just to any strength coach that it m- might have an opening. Um, and most of the time people did not reply. I mean, I received maybe four or five uh, declines saying that I didn't have the experience or, um, you know, the certifications or whatever it may be. Um, so it was tough. I mean, thankfully, thankfully Pembroke gave me a shot. And actually, I didn't even mention this before, but um, three days before I moved out to Pembroke, which is a town of 3,000 people, um, three days before I moved out there, the boss who hired me told me she was leaving. So um, (laughs) basically, the intention was that there was going to be a head person and then three assistants, me being one of them. Well, she ended up leaving like three days before I moved out there. So the two assistants that were already there, which were Austin and Shane, mm-hmm. they became like the interim directors. And then I came in there as like the assistant. So initially we were supposed to have four coaches. Um, but yeah, like a couple of days before I moved out there, she told me she was leaving. I was kind of like thrown off. Um, yeah. Because I was like, wow, you're like the only person that gave me a shot in this field. And now I don't even get to work with you. <laughs> so uh, that was, yeah, that was another uh, another twist to all the fun times I had during that point of my life. But I mean, it all worked out. I mean, Austin and Shane, they are both like my age. I mean, we were like 22, 23, 24-year-olds like running a strength conditioning department. So it was kind of it was kind of fun. Like we had a really young staff, so um, you know, it was definitely it was a good experience, and it you know it it got me to you know I, I now am close friends with Shane and Austin. You know, I contact them regularly, so um, it was good to be able to you know work with those guys. A lot of people just won't even have that opportunity. They'll usually have you know some some veteran coaches in there, and then you guys are just you know learning and absorbing as much information as possible to, you know, pretty much create your own program and stuff. But, you know, just getting thrown into the fire like that to hit the ground rolling, that's a that's a huge experience because I feel like, and maybe you can tell me, did that help you, um, especially now at Thomas University with the teams you're working with? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of ways I guess you can learn how to, um, you know, write up a warm-up or whatever, but – if you just get thrown into it, I, I I think it's, you know, it's the quickest way to learn for sure. <laughs> no question. I mean, yeah. you have to. I, I feel like it will force you to like already have these things set in place next time. Yeah, if, it, it forced me to have um, if it, it forced me to have a well structured plan because I, you know, I wanted to be very prepared for 
um, these sessions. So um, it, it forced me to be very organized. Yeah, and I think that's that's one thing, you know, the, the reason why this is called not just a strength coach is I feel like a lot of people think that we just go in there, when, you know, playing the lottery pick of what we want and we just slap it on the board, you know, beat our chest type thing and just do 100% max effort and then mm-hmm. that's it. And I don't think they understand, like, the intricate details that we have to, you know, actually – uh, be conscious about and pretty much have a blueprint blue uh, blueprint about all these informations like the the warm up you got a blueprint information of who you're working with how I'm gonna do x y and z and stuff like that then the workout that also needs a you know a little template this is how I wanted to flow with these set of athletes. Uh, I got this athlete who's very young. I can't do this, that, and the other with, so I got to take that out, bring yep. them to the side, do this, do that. You know, just change things up. And I feel like that's that's very overlooked in our profession because we have that um, try to make it easy on us because, you know, a lot of us do agree that, you know, we're underpaid and overworked. So they try to, you know, here's the blank canvas, here's a blank template, Sets and reps are almost the same for almost every sport, just so I don't stress and kill myself. And yeah. I feel like that takes away from, you know, actually helping the athlete adapt and progress at the same time. Yeah. And to add to that, I mean, I've learned so much in Excel. I don't know if you guys use Excel over there, but I've learned so much through that system in the past couple months through my internship at FSU, I I had no idea that program could even do. So like for all the coaches that have to, you know, coach and do all that stuff through Excel, like learn all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's a lot more than just writing a program. Oh yeah. A lot more. I know know everybody talks about that, but I mean, it really truly is. And you don't really understand that until you're on your own and you're coaching your own teams. Right. And I think that goes back to, like, I mean, Shane, I don't know if Shane said this a lot while uh, you guys were together, but, like, (laughs) during our internship, man, like, the saying goes, man, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And, like, that thing right there, Excel, like, we both were, like, overwhelmed, shocked. Uh, What else can you throw in there? (laughs) I mean – Definitely humbled by it because, I mean, we went in, you know, thinking like, hey, like, you would just throw a workout together. And then going through the academy, man, it's just like, nah, like, well, why would you do this? Like, being questioned why yeah. was, like, the humbling part of it because, like, you're like, it's squat. Like, why wouldn't we do squat? Well, what are you trying to get out of it? And, like, you're like, uh, get them stronger. Well, what's the rep screen of getting stronger? And it's just like, uh, and you got to go back to the book. Well, it says that in the book, but, like, we're in this part of the season. So, like, what's the recommendation you have for that? And you're like, um, shoot, man. Like, you, you're asking good questions that I don't know. And you yeah. start to realize, like, there's a lot I don't know about this, man. Mm-hmm. And, like, now can you imagine the people who makes hiring decisions and stuff like that for strength coaches that don't know that information? Hiring people based off of who they know or what they've done or their social media or whatever. Like it's like, for me, it's scary because I've seen it firsthand where you just 
hire somebody because of who they know. But when you see their programming or whatever, you're like, dude, like, can you explain why? I just need to understand why. Why this is what I did when I was in high school. Well, last time I checked, sir, we're we're not in high school anymore. Like, yeah. I need to know why, so I'm able to help explain this to our athletes for when they ask why, because we already know our athletes going to ask why. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, that's why I really think. And this is just me. I mean, I'm spitballing, but at the same time, like I've been thinking about this with conferences and the NCAA overall. There needs to be people at the table with strength and conditioning backgrounds, not only just the certification because people can read a book, go take a test and pass it with flying colors, but no jack squat about the profession. So we need people who actually got experience and stuff to understand like the hiring process alone shouldn't be a good old boy system. Like, yeah, you know, I, I interned with him back in so-and-so or the person I interned with said that, you know, he's a good guy. Like, nah, like, do you know your stuff? Yeah, and, and that's, I, that's the. And yeah, I, um, when I graduated Auburn, I mean, I got my CSCS a month after I graduated, and so like, just because you have a certification doesn't mean you know exactly what you're doing. Because I, I had no idea what to do when I first got to Pembroke. So, just because you have that certification doesn't mean you're, you know, a qualified strength conditioning coach. Hey man, you can't say that, man. You're offending people now. Man. <laughs> well, I mean, you everybody say says that. that all the time. I know. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Ron McKeefrey. Um, yeah. But he says all the time, just because you have a bachelor's degree and a certification doesn't mean you're going to get hired. Yep. So. Um, so true. Yeah, I mean, it's, the field now is so so populated with people that want to be in this profession that you got to find ways to stand out. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard. I mean, when I, at Thomas, um, we had another graduate assistant that was my same level. He did his master's degree in one year. He just, um, so he just graduated and he took this, the football position over at Wingate university. Um, mm-hmm. But he said he had 200 people apply for that job. And Jeez. I was just like, are you serious? Like, Because, I mean, the job didn't pay great. And so you still have all these people that want to work for it. And it's like, okay, one person out of these 200 are going to get hired. How are you going to – like the person that's making the hiring decision initially has a piece of paper with your name on it and like what you've done. How are you going to stand out from everybody else? Because they're all the same for the most part. Right. How are you going to stand out from everybody else? So it's it's definitely um, something to consider as, you know, as young coaches move through this profession. Oh, yeah. And that's intimidating, bro. Like 200 applicants? Yeah. Like, man. And it just puts you in perspective. Like, there's a lot of people that's going to, like, even for the job that we're in right now, there's a good chance someone's just waiting for you to leave so they can try to apply for that position. It's just like, yep. you know, it, it gives you like a sense of like, well, you know, I need to be grateful for the position I'm in because there's a good chance, you know, there's someone out there that doesn't have a job and wish they just had this position. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time, man, you know, this another man's trash is another man's treasure. And it, that situation right there is so true because, 
just because the salary is low does not mean someone doesn't want it. Like, yeah, man, I can just hear people saying like, oh, like I wouldn't take that job. It's not paying enough. It's just like that, that might be your only option. <laughs> like some people may is their only option, man. Like yeah. I'm sorry, like, and that might be the the opportunity they need to you know actually get some recognition in this profession. Yeah, but at the and same I- time, man. These young coaches need to understand that, you know, if you're looking at that that price tag starting out, it's going to be a tough, tough start to the profession. Yeah. And I don't know what the solution is to that, but people are going to – it's not going to change until people stop accepting low-paying jobs because if you're not going right. to take it, someone else will. So right. I, I don't know what the solution is, um, but, but, yeah, I mean – even if it's you know very underpaid, which I've seen many jobs like that, um, someone's going to take that job. So why would they? They have no incentive to raise the salary for it. Right. Even though they demand, you know, uh, what was it? I saw a post recently. Um, they demand you know five years experience. Uh, your CSCS, your CSCCA, USAW. And a um, master's degree, and they were only paying like I think it's twenty five, and I was just like, Jeez. "Excuse me, what?" <laughs> like, yeah, I know. This has to be a typo. Like that five and two got to get flipped or something. Like that, that, that can't be right. Yeah, they it's... were like, "Well, you know, just like you said, man, just like you said." Yeah. Someone's gonna, someone's gonna have those credentials in those years and still take the job, and I think it's just a situation where. You know, I, I keep um, alluding to it is we got to have people who's been in the profession, been in those shoes, been up early, been up all day, stayed up late nights to, to be in those positions, that hiring position to be like, nah, this this is that's unacceptable. Like that's how it's unacceptable mm-hmm. for the work that we're going to ask this person to do. And the reason why they're saying that is because they actually, you know, experienced that. Yep. Not exactly, but, you know, understand, like, we can't have this, you know, high standard of requirement, but then this low pay. It's just, no, that person's going to crash and burn and probably do a horrible job later down the road because of, you know, how tired and frustrated they are just with the lack of pay. And that just shows a lack of value in the person, too. So. Yeah. And I don't want people to think who are listening to this want them to think that I'm in this profession for the money. Cause that's definitely not true. There's just something to point out. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. people, people know that it's just, I mean, yeah. think about it. Like, you know, we're in this profession. Like you did your internship. You went to UNCP, like had your own team, like five of them. Like it, people, people know, I mean, the right people know that you did, you're not in it for the money. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, do I want to be single the rest of my life and not have a kid or not have anything and live in a one bedroom apartment? Or do I actually, you know, want to have a family? Like I can't, I can't have a family on, you know, $17,000 a year. Like there's certain things that's just like, you know, I'm doing X, Y, and Z to get X, Y, and Z. And I need money to help me get to that point. And I can't do that if I'm getting underpaid, but I'm still working, you know, 16 hour days. Yep. So, eh, it's, that's always going to be a discussion. I feel like, man, just anywhere, 
Not just yeah. our profession. We know that. Yeah. All right. So let's get back to you and the marching band, bro. So, like, when you started in the marching band, tell me the day-to-day process of doing that. Yeah. So we would have um, practices in the afternoon. Um, I think probably – I think it was two-hour practice from three to five. Um, we would have that – Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then we would have um, the percussion section had our own practice on Monday evenings. And then we would have, you know, an all-day session on Saturday because, you know, with game day, we have to pr- we practice in the morning before we play, and then we got to do all this pregame stuff. And then we obviously pray, uh, play before the game. We play in the stands. We play at halftime. We play after the game. Saturday's pretty, a pretty full day. Um, but I mean, as far as the day to day goes, I mean, we'd get there. Obviously, we have to warm up for a little bit. Um, we as marching band members would stretch, um, although it's not a, a common sport. I would say um, it was funny because I was like the designated like stretching captain, I guess you could say, for our section. So like, I would lead the warm up every day just because people kind of knew that I kind of understood what I was doing. Um, they were like, Hey, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's a fitness. You're going to lead us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, just do like a little warm up, and then, um, just depending on the day, um, our director, whatever the plan was for that day. Um, we either, you know, we start by learning the music first. So we, we normally stand in place have a little music stand by you and we rehearse the music. Um, once we have the music pretty down, I mean, that takes probably, you know, a day or two, we start learning our uh, positions on the field. Um, so we'll, he'll give us, he'll give each individual, which I didn't mention there were 400 members in our marching band. Um, 400 of us, our own little um, booklet of our spot on the field. And we had to, you know, make sure it was perfect, do it over and over again. Um, and then eventually, once we got that down, uh, we would, you know, combine that little by little with music. And so um, it was a working progress. And um, many people probably don't know this, but most of your, I guess, professional groups, because um, there's professional marching band groups, they do, mm-hmm. they do one show every year and they compete with that show at the end of every year. We obviously don't compete. We just entertain. But we would learn five or six shows in a single fall semester. So we would have to balance out, you know, learning this music and where to be on the field with this specific song with a show that we'll be performing in like three weeks because we have to prepare weeks in advance for this other show we're going to play because we would play, you know, like for instance, we did like – we did a back to the future show one year, which was really cool. And then like we do different kinds of shows like military appreciation shows, um, do certain other things, um, just to, you know, just to mix it up uh, with our fans, just to give them something different. But it was a lot, I mean, it was a lot to balance out a lot of memorization. You know, obviously we have to memorize the music. We don't have the music on the field. Uh, so we memorize that. We have to memorize where we are on the field and just every little step that we take. It was a lot of, a lot of detail-oriented uh, activity, um, 
which I mean, it definitely combined with my, you know, strength conditioning, um, you know, the stuff I do now, I mean, I'm, I'm very detailed, very organized. I think that played a huge role in that. Um, but our, I mean, our director at March and with marching band at Auburn, I mean, he was a great guy. He was very meticulous, very particular, uh, wanted things to be perfect. Um, uh, that's really translated over into my coaching, I think, because you can't, you gotta be, you gotta be detailed sometimes. Like you gotta pay attention to the small details. And sometimes I think, I don't think coaches quite grasp that. Like you need to pay attention to the finer details. So I think that's, that helped me with that. But, but yeah, I mean, that was my time at Auburn. Um, those were the practice days. I mean, Monday was just percussion, just the drum line. So we would normally just stand in place and work on memorizing music. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday were with the full band. So that's typically when we would, you know, do our different uh, on-field work and learn our positions on the field. And then Saturdays were a whole another story. I mean, Saturdays, depending on the game time, I mean, we I would have mornings where I'd have to be up at 3.30 and get to the band field for practice um, in the early morning. So typically when we have 11 a.m. kickoff, um, which we had a lot of my freshman year, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be up by 3.30 a.m., get to the band field, we'd warm up, and then we'd practice everything we were going to do for that day. And then – We'd have, we'd have some downtime um, because after practice we would kind of transition over into more of our pregame stuff because we would do things like um, like our four corners tradition where we all march kind of downtown and meet in the middle and then walk to the stadium. Um, we would do like a march around thing where we march around the stadium and play for the fans before the game. And obviously we would do our pregame show and things like that. So it was a lot. Saturdays, I mean – up at 3.30, and then you're not done until the game's over, uh, which is usually probably, if I had to guess, like 3 p.m., so maybe maybe even 4 p.m. sometimes. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, they were long days. I mean, we even had <laughs> – there was one game. I, I think it was my junior or senior year. We were playing at home against Southern Miss, and we had a thunder delay. And so we had – it was like a three-hour rain delay or thunder delay for this game. So like it started at like noon and we didn't even get done until like 8 PM. So we, so we were up at like four o'clock and then didn't get in bed till probably like 9 PM. So it was a, I mean, it sounds like a very, you know, very boring, very long days, but I mean, I really enjoyed it. I, I had a lot of fun. I mean, everybody, a lot of my friends now today were in marching men with me. And so, um, you know, I really love my time with it. Yeah. And I think I, I low key want to like blame movies because you know how movies look <laughs> oh, like he was in the marching band. And it's just like understanding like during my time as an intern, like I was always like wondering like what, um, people did. That was like during my time of like, understanding how things are done at a higher level and like seeing other sports like tennis, cheer, and 
um, the school I was at, we also had band in our athletic budget as well. So like looking at them, I was like, why? Like, why does this cost so much? And like, what do they do? So like sometimes like I just like pop my head in. Like our campus is pretty um, relatively like small or they're relatively close. Our campus is huge. It's just where I'm at is small because I don't go nowhere else on campus because I don't care about academics anymore. <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> uh, I always check and see the band, man. I remember like, I think it was a Monday and we had, it was game week and we had football at six and I got there at four 30. And I remember popping my head out at five and I just hear, um, the percussions going, I was like, what in the world? Like, why are they like, is somebody in trouble? Like, did somebody do something wrong? Or like <laughs> miss something? And like, I talked to one of them was like, no, nah, like, you know, that's why when you said marching band, it was like, man, like, I want you to do like go into, you know, detail of what you did. Cause a lot of people just think you go out there, play some, play some songs, move around, make stuff look good. And then hop back in the stands. It's just like, no man, like the preparation is so, like important, but it's so huge, man. It's like, it's so time consuming. And I was just like, man, you would think yeah, that it's I mean, nothing, it takes, but like. It's a lot of work for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's but, a lot. I mean, the, the reward was worth it. I mean, I, I really enjoyed what we did. And, um, you know, I met a lot of cool people and, um, you know, I just, I really loved the activity. So um, I didn't need yeah. to get paid for it or anything, but I mean, I got to go on a lot of trips that I never would have gotten to experience if I wasn't a part of the band. Um, right. So, I mean, it was, a, it was definitely a good time. Oh yeah. I couldn't imagine, man. Mm. Like our guys, our guys, we, I don't know if you know much about HBCU bands, man, but they love, um, what is it called? Sound biting. Yeah. Like popular songs. And uh, man, when they do it, man, it's a, it's an experience. You got to come yeah. out here one of these days, man. Yeah. Just we check had, it out. Uh, we, one of the years I was there, we had uh, Alabama A and M come to our oh, yeah. stadium, and I, I think more people watched their halftime than they did ours. <laughs> so it's just, they're just so entertaining. It's just a completely, completely different. Um, I'm not saying that it's better or anything. It's just a completely different vibe. Yeah, it's different. So yeah, it's just who's Alabama? It was, it was the, cool the, to get to watch Maroon and White Band. I think that's their name. Maroon and White Band. That's their name. I think. They call okay. it. Okay. I'm not familiar, yeah. but maybe. I don't know. I've seen them the past two years. Like they it's it's interesting to see other HBCUs so and their bands and just overall. I I just love seeing stuff like that, just knowing the intricate details of how they do things. But I, I feel like and you could probably chime in on this more because you did it. Band, especially with the hours and stuff, probably helped you a lot with what you do as a strength coach now. And the way it sounds, especially on Saturday, bro, like it probably might be a little easier hour wise for you too, man. <laughs> like that Saturday, I was like 3 a.m. Oh no. 3 a.m. on game day. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess time wise. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a big time commitment, but I was able to still do other stuff on the side, but I was, I mean, my last semester of my undergrad, I was working a lot. I mean, I had, well, I guess I didn't mention this. We don't, we don't, we don't practice in the spring. We only go in the fall uh, when the football season. Oh, okay, okay. So um, there is a, 
there's a basketball pep band that plays for the men's and women's teams. And um, they'll play at the bigger, uh, like, softball or baseball games. But, yeah, us as an entire band, we only go in the fall. Um, so we'll start with um, our band camp that starts early August, and then we will um, go through that semester and be done until the next fall. Um, but, I mean, I was I – was, I mean, during my last fall there, I mean, I was – you know, I was – interning at Auburn. I was going to school. I was in the band and I had a part-time job. So it was a lot of work. I mean, the band was a lot of work, but I was able to do stuff on the side. Um, but I mean, all that combined, I was definitely, I was definitely doing a lot. So, um, when that spring came around my last semester at Auburn, it was a little bit of a nicer, uh, schedule you could say. But you're young, man. You have all the energy, man. You you could do that again. I guess I could. I mean, I would definitely, you know, I'd definitely go back if I could be a part of that. But they actually do. So Auburn does do a um, one weekend every year, usually against a smaller opponent. They'll do an alumni band where they can have anybody that was in the band come back and, and play a show with the with the full band. So mm-hmm. probably end up doing that this year. We weren't able to this past year because of COVID, but yeah. um, definitely want to try to do that this year, especially since we're so we're pretty close. Yeah, because uh, th- where where is Thomas University in Georgia? So it's in Thomasville, Georgia. So it's pretty south. Um, I actually, me and my fiance actually live with her parents in Tallahassee, Florida, and I commute to Thomasville every day. It's only about a thirty minute drive. Oh, okay. So it's like right on the other side of the state border, um, okay. which is really convenient for me because I, you know, I get to intern at FSU this summer, and I already live in Tallahassee. So, right, That's right up the road, probably. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's been good, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Hey, uh, before I let you go, any book recommendation you have for our audience today? If I had to name one book, um, it'll be strength conditioning related, but um, I think I mentioned this earlier, the, the CEO Strength Coach by Ron McKeefrey was the first yeah. book I read in this profession. As soon as I switched majors, my dad actually bought that for me as like a Christmas present. And I read that thing super fast and it was, you know, it, it's not a long read. It's a very easy read, but it teaches you a lot. And it kind of goes over his story and, um, you know, he talks about being a technician and a entrepreneur and a, um, I'm blanking, uh, technician, entrepreneur and a manager. That's it. Sorry. Technician, technician, entrepreneur and a manager are like the three components in that book that he talks about are the main components of being a strength coach. And, um, you know, it's really it's really easy to just focus on the X's and O's, especially as a young coach. But it's also important yeah. to continue to work on your relationship building and your communicating and things like that. And that's and that's one of the big reasons why I wanted to be on this podcast with you is just because, you know, speaking publicly and communicating with people in this in this way is pretty uncomfortable for me. I mean, I'm I'm a very intro, introverted person. I'm pretty shy. I'm pretty quiet. Um, but I'm, you know, trying to get out of my comfort zone and 
um, just work on different things about my personality and things that could help me in the future for job opportunities. Cause you know, doing things like this will definitely help me stand out. Like he talks about in the book, definitely help me stand out yeah. for job applications. And cause not everybody's doing this, what I'm doing right now. And I've also, right. you know, he, he talks about in that book, he talks about three ways to stand out on applications and that's writing, speaking and mentoring young coaches. And I really took that to heart and I really wanted to pursue those and, um, you know, use those as avenues to make my resume stand out for potential employers. So I've, I've actually had two articles published now. I had my most recent article published in the NSCA last month. Um, and then now I'm on this podcast and hopefully have future speaking engagements down the road. But, um, yeah, a lot of good stuff in that book. A lot of, I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of information for sure. It's not really talking about the X's and O's too much. It's more geared towards his story and, you know, the different components of what makes a good strength coach, um, which yeah. are obviously more than the X's and O's. Um, but definitely my most recommended book for any young coach out there. Yeah. And I think man, in that book, like Ron did a real good job and with his other book, um, weight room wisdom there's yeah. like the accident in O's is automatic in our profession. And we don't need to, you know, harp on that as much as actual relationship building. Also understanding, you know, how to manage other people, not only athletes, but uh, potentially, you know, you being a head coach somewhere, a staff, but also how, how to stand out, finding your niche and stuff like that. And I think he does an awesome job doing that. But, yeah. yeah, that's a real good, real good recommendation, man. Yeah. I totally forgot. I, I got to go read that book again, man. Yeah, you, I feel like I need to, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, man, I got to – I'm over here, like, looking at my bookshelf, looking for the book right now just to yeah. read that one again. Because that was a, a book I read um, starting out, too. That and um, Dale Carnegie's, you know, how to get – how to win and influence friends. Mm, sorry. Uh, that was a real good book. Um, but yeah, man, I appreciate you being up here, man. No, man, I appreciate you having me on. I've been wanting to do this for a while. Uh, I've just been really busy, obviously, with everything going on. Um, yeah. But yeah, I appreciate you having me on here. Oh, no, man, I appreciate you, man.